0: All right, good morning. Great to be with you all. Thank you, uh, worship team. Always love being led by you guys. Um, Thanks for leading us this morning. Uh, Well, Tri-Village, I am really excited to be with you, honored to be with you. Um, As Chad and and, uh, Robbie said, my name's Kyle Reschke. Uh, I oversee all of our missions, global and local outreach at Wheaton Bible Church, and... um, couple reasons I'm really excited to be here. I tell you every time, but I keep hearing stories, so I want to tell you again, I love what God is doing through Tri-Village Church here. God is certainly moving in some really mighty ways, and um, I am hearing stories not just in worship, but of people being sent out into your community um, and around the world. So just uh, keep it up is what I want to say to you this morning. And secondly, I'm honored to be here because uh, your leaders, your pastors, are. My brothers, really good friends of mine, Um, just love talking through the word with them, preparing sermons together. Uh, The message I'm about to give, I really loved preparing for this week, really, really loved. Um, You can ask Will what time he received a text message from me on Thursday morning. It was 5.17 a.m. Will did not text me back at 5.18 a.m. Uh, we talked later that day around the church, uh, uh, but just excited to be here. Let's pray together as we open the word. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance to gather together. Father, to gather to worship you. Father, in the singing of songs, Father, in hearing from your word, in praying and enjoying fellowship together. Lord, we are so grateful. Father, it's our desire that we would just praise you this morning. And as we encounter your word, as we encounter you, Father, we know and we praise you because your word is your living word. It is living and active today. Not just thousands of years ago in the passages that we're going to read about and a historical account, but living and active today. You, Lord, are living and active today. Your purposes today, Father, are for your glory and you've invited us to take part, and we're so grateful. So it's in your most holy name that we lift up one another in prayer this morning. Amen. All right, so this morning uh, we're kicking off a, a new series. This is The series is called One Story, Jesus and Abraham. And uh, one of the things I really love about kind of these character stories, about what's coming up in these next several weeks for you all, is the fact that Um, It's not just, oh, we found this one character uh, in the Bible and there were some connections to Jesus and, you know, that's great. What I love is this character study is we see that not only all of Scripture, but we find that all of Scripture and God's work, God's purposes throughout history to today and for all of our future is all one story. Still part of the exact same story and God's purposes. That's what we get to dig into this morning and through this series. Um, I was excited because I thought, uh, kicking off a series about Abraham, that we would start in Genesis chapter 12. And this is one of uh, the most famous kinds of missions passages. So as kind of a missions guy, I, uh, I was excited to do that. I'm like, I got this. This is my wheelhouse right here. And then I was informed that we are starting the chapter before that this week. But what I love here, we're going to get into the Tower of Babel. And I was telling Chad this morning, this is one where I said, well, all right, well, I'm familiar with that story too. But God just blew my mind and my heart this week in this study. So instead of a familiar story that seemed uh, kind of old hat to me, Again, showed God's Word living and active. So, this morning, as we continue, before you think this story is too strange, before you think it's too long ago to have any kind of impact on us today, I want you to hold on to a couple of questions. Hold on to these two key questions as we go about today. First, is the Bible really one story? Is it really one story? Bigger than that, as we look back at Bible characters and heroes, are we still a part of that same story today? Hold on to that question and see how that is answered as we dive into the Word today. Second, today in our world, all we have to do is turn on our news feeds, all we have to do is turn on social media, read headlines. We see divisiveness Politics, beliefs, ideas, worldviews, our news stations, people unifying even around things that seem as innocent as hobbies or passions or interests. But when somebody disagrees, man, when we feel unified around something and somebody is not with us in it, that's a big deal in our culture today. So ask the question, how does God view that and what is his solution? So uh, with your Bibles, turn them on or you can open them up today. Um, And we're going to read, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. And something we do here at Tri-Village Church out of reverence when we read God's word is we stand together. So if you could please stand. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You can all be seated. So a lot going on here, right? We can get into some of the theology, some of the culture, the origin of languages, the origin of people groups and all that. But the two questions I wanted you to hold on today are really uh, where I want to focus. So for a few minutes here, I want to walk us through a bit of the context. So real quickly, here is the context, what happened before the Tower of Babel. If you just flip back a couple pages in your Bible, you'll see a few chapters. Those chapters are all going to be related to the flood. Noah, the ark, the flood. God saw great wickedness on the earth and wiped everything out except Noah and his family. And then we come to a key passage, is following the flood, God makes a new covenant, a new promise with humanity. He makes the promise that he would never again flood the earth, and he gives the sign of that, and he gives Noah from there a clear command. The clear command he gives twice in Genesis chapter 9, starting in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. He says, based on this new covenant, Genesis 9-1, then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, this is key, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. He says it again in 9-7. So some time passes, but that's the context that we're working from today. God had made a new promise. I will be with you. I will never again Wipe out the earth with the flood, but here is your command fill the earth, be fruitful, and multiply. That's where we encounter, likely, we don't know the exact time, but a couple hundred or more years later, that is where we pick up our passage for today. Now, a couple of things going on that we need to look at before we get to God's response. What's going on here? Check out verse 4, Genesis 11, verse 4. Genesis 11, verse 4 says, Then they said, these are the people who are settling in the land of Shinar. Remember the people who had the covenant of God. God said, go, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. We just read that they actually, instead of scattering, have gathered, And as they've gathered in verse 4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. So four things going on here that I want to draw our attention to. Why would this be something that God comes down to see? Why would this be something that God comes down to scatter? Well, first we see what is the goal here in chapter 4. They have gathered. It was to gather and to build a city. Goal number one of the people who had settled there. The people God had commanded to fill the earth. Second, they had found unity and they had gathered together for a massive building project to build a tower. And that that tower would reach to the heavens. Now you may say here really quickly as I've gone through these two. Now time out, Kyle. We see so much divisiveness in our world. And amongst division, what is the big deal about gathering, about building a city, about about having a project, about having this massive vision to build together? People were cooperating. They were unified and they did so for a grand project. So, Kyle, what's the issue? The issue is that these were symptoms of much bigger things going on. Because remember, what was God's command? Scatter, fill the earth. That's what God had for them. So the bigger issues here are not just the practical, unified, not just the building. But then we get to this third reason. They want to build this. What is their reason for wanting to build it? To make a name for who? Ah, that's pretty key, huh? God, always with his people, is talking about his glory, saying, you are my people. You will make a name in God's kingdom. Here we have people saying, we want to make a name for ourselves. And fourth, they aimed not to disperse or scatter. At this time, the role of a city, and it's not that all cities are bad. We read all throughout Scripture, God has purposes of cities. He has his holy city. He has cities of refuge. It's not that God hates cities or gathering at any time. It's just these people were only generations away, and God said, City, the protection that you are seeking there, is not what I have for you. The purpose I have for you and my mission around the world is that you would scatter. And God understood that their scattering meant that from a lot of, uh, for a lot of other reasons, this means not the security of gathering together, lacking the security that large walls or a large tower would have. But it's distrusting God's promise and what he said. So these th- items, the building, the city, the gathering together, are pursued with resources and the unity of the people. This is what the people are going for. They are giving their hearts to, their lives, their resources. They're sacrificing for the love of human praise and the love of security, of a name for themselves and being gathered together. Then we get to an action and some sayings from God. We say, all right, this starts to explain God's next actions. Verses 5 and 6 say, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God says nothing will be impossible for them. What are we talking about here? Why would God worry about the unification of people towards something that is against his purposes for them? It's not that God is threatened. This is the creator of the universe. He is not threatened by the gathering of people. But what we have seen time and time again, not just, you read every page of Scripture, whenever man tries to work on their own, destruction comes. Whenever humanity is left entirely to its own devices or seeks to build its own kingdoms, they crumble. And before you say about the depravity of humanity or about people building their own kingdoms, Kyle, that was so long ago, we don't do that anymore today. I challenge you to take a look back at the 20th century around the world. So in living memory for many of us here today, the bloodiest century in the history of the world, from wars, from nation states, from people exerting their power over one another, seeking to build their own kingdoms. Or closer to home, just hop on Facebook, hop on a news feed, hop on a general talk show and when controversial issues are brought up, look at how we speak to one another. And if you still don't believe that people can be out, left to their own devices to build their own kingdoms, or if you still don't believe that that can be destructive and divisive, come talk to me. I don't think you're going to find that. So, God sees people building their own kingdoms, striving and striving for their own self worth, for the praise of man and not the praise of God, for security in what they're building, not for security in God, to build a tower to the heavens. Put it in today's terms to amass money, status, success, power over others, comparison. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. And it works from, if you're viewing from the top of the tower, not just the Tower of Babel, whatever your tower might be. He says, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above. As long as you're looking down, you can't see anything that's above. So that is what we read about over and over again in this one story. That is what we see and experience over and over again in history is all of our striving and God is seeing that striving, that kingdom building, that everything that we are pursuing for our own name, for our own security. And God is saying not only here, but in our lives, he is saying stop and look up. I have something better for you. Stop building your own kingdom. I have a better kingdom for you. And that kingdom is what you were created for. And that kingdom is what I have for you. So God actually, not just in his punishment saying, I will scatter them and that will be their punishment. I see this as a sign of God's grace. That he actually stopped the tower, confused the languages, disunified the people, and scattered them around the world. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And I found one commentator said, uh, I found this quote, and I absolutely love this today because this connects us to the next part of the story. The irony here." is that what man most desired, remember what man most desired was a tower, their city, their own kingdom built to the heavens. The irony here is that what man most desired would have destroyed them. And actually what they most dreaded, being scattered, would prove to be a part of their deliverance. So now we get into this connection. This is how it is all part of one story. People had built their own kingdoms. People had sought to reach the heavens, had been striving, giving their lives to reach God, to achieve God, to build towards Him. And God's saying, stop. You can't reach me. But God then says, I will reach you. If we can't reach God, God, God has to come down and reach us. So, and this time, God came down not to confuse. This time, time God came down not to unite around language, not to unite around culture, not to unite around a country or achievements. God came down to unite around something that transcends all of that. Turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 to stop man ceaseless striving to him god had scattered them gotten them out of their own way and he sent the chance to actually be connected to god he sent the chance to experience god's grace he sent the chance for the ultimate purpose he had for his people. John three sixteen to 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is key. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God says all these things that we want to find unity around. This is the unity God has for us. This is the unity that God has for the world. And it is in his son. It is in that saving grace. It is not in people unifying around anything else. So here's something I thought was so cool in studying how Jesus brings that unity This was fairly new for me this week in connecting all of this back to the Tower of Babel. That connection back to one another, more importantly, that relationship back with God. I saw that there was always an overflow. That when Jesus comes into not only one person's life, but a group of people, a nation, a community, a family, whatever it may be. We read about it in scripture. We see it in our own lives. There is an overflow for some for those who came back to God something always happened there was a new purpose and the purpose was not the building of our own kingdoms but the purpose was the building of God's kingdom the building of God's kingdom Famous, famous missions verse. This is called the Great Commission. And I'm going to read it here. And I want you to see that it wasn't just this, okay, you get Jesus, now hold it in. It was the Jesus is going to be a new source of unity for everyone who knows him. And from there, there is just an overflow that is going to happen. So in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus has been crucified, died, he has risen again. And now he sends his people out. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now don't miss this here, okay? We always focus on the fact that Jesus has commanded you, church, you, my followers, you are to go to all the nations. Where did all the nations come from? All the nations were scattered from the Tower of Babel because they were unifying around what God didn't have for them to unify around. Now God has sent The person, his son, that all those nations can unify around. And he's saying, go, my people, go and reach them. Teach them. Invite them into relationship with me. But we miss the first step. What is the strength, the source, the unity? What is the first step of that action? It says, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It wasn't all authority on heaven and earth has been given to some of you. He said, has been given to me and I will be the one with you and I am the one sending you out. The author and power that enables them to do this, the source of their unity in this, is it their strength? Is it their skill? Is it their achievement? Is it their credentials? Is it whatever else they have achieved? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So Jesus is the source. So what gave his followers then, that source of power, that source of unity in his mission, is what still gives people that value and that beauty today. It is why each and every one of you are worthy and have power to go out and to teach and to baptize and to reach people and to be a part of building God's kingdom. So this story has continued now for thousands of years. I'm going to ask you the question, you know the answer, does this story continue today? Amen. Thank you. What is happening around the world today? We see more migration, the highest number of refugees that our world has ever seen. We see war-torn regions. And as people are again scattered around the world, we can sometimes say, this is a reason to feel hopeless. Is God actually working? Or we can say these people are left. They're around the world. We leave them to their suffering and their hurt. Or we say that this is just a result of God's punishment. That we see more refugees coming out of the Middle East than ever before into Europe and into um, here to the United States. And we can just say this is a reason, this is a result of God's punishment. This week, June 20th, was World Refugee Day. And in 2019, the highest levels on record, 70.8 million individuals worldwide are refugees as a result of persecution, violence, human rights violations. Hundreds of millions more are migrating due to drought, famine, poverty, insecurity. I've been to a lot of these places around the world where God is moving people, Certainly, the suffering, the hardship is heartbreaking and it is overwhelming. The centers of the refugee crisis around the world. Disaster zones, famine and drought zones. But I want to share with you something else. In each and every one of those places, I have sat with other believers from around the world. I have sat with refugees who have come to new faith in Jesus Christ. I have sat with chieftains of the Turkana tribe in remote East Africa and opened God's word or listened to it on a solar-powered audio Bible and worshipped the same God and lifted up the name of Jesus. We have sung songs. We have danced. This blows my mind. Why? Because everything else about our lives in that scenario... Everything else that we could unify around, that we sometimes in our community here in Streamwood or West Chicago can unify around, language, culture, church preferences, life experience, socioeconomic status, whatever it might be, all of those in those situations in the heart of the refugee crisis, we do not share in common. We don't. And yet here we are worshiping the same God. The same God who desires that connection, who said, I will come reach you. So what I know is that there are thousands of refugees who have entered into Europe who, instead of telling stories of disconnection, of continued devastation, of being ignored, tell stories of when they fled their countries along the roads and the shores where their boats arrived. They were given blankets for warmth. They were given food, shelter, prayer, from people who are followers of Jesus and in the name of Jesus, seeking to build his kingdom. That's the story that we're a part of today. That's the story that started with the Tower of Babel, that God said, this is just one step and it's not over yet. It's God God is the one who unifies and Jesus will be the one to get our own kingdoms out of the way with the vision of his kingdom. Now, I did some research this week, and the five miles surrounding this church campus, something I want you to know, be challenged by it. How do I know this story continues today? How do I know this story includes us? How do I know that God continues to send his people to all the nations? I know, because check out what exists within five miles of Streamwood campus. The languages that are spoken within a few minutes driving distance of here. Spanish, English, Polish, Chinese, Arabic, Tagalog, Gujarati, Urdu, Japanese, German, Hindu. There was a category for unspecified languages, which I wanted to learn more about. Greek, Vietnamese, Khmer, Cambodian. And this list went on and on. I figured three full slides was enough to make my point with you all this morning. This list goes on. These are in your neighborhoods here in Streamwood. What would God have of all of us here? Would he leave people of these language groups to continue to be unified around language or culture? Or would he have these people groups not just scattered anymore, but gathered, not to build their own kingdom, but to be a part of building his So I know that this is God's purpose now. And I know that it's his purpose in the future. Because we read in the Bible, again, one story. We've been started in the beginning. We've been in the beginning of the New Testament and the Gospels. And now we're going to flip towards very close to the end. We read in the Bible about God's vision of eternity with him. Eternity with God doesn't just include one people group or culture or language. It's the picture of unity that is completely for his glory because of Jesus. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This is an eternity before the throne of God, and we read, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Let this sink in. From every nation, tribe, people, and language. Read that again. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Future vision. So our first question, is this a story we are still a part of today? Yes. Jesus is the source of that unity and desires to send all out that those who were scattered are now gathered, but with no unity other than Jesus. So this is the kingdom that God is building. If you don't know Jesus today, if you're visiting, if you, nobody has ever invited you to be a part of this story, if you are someone who is wrestling with building your own kingdom or any other kingdom, God has his for you. And I ask you this morning, don't you want to be a part of it? Instead of ceaseless striving for things that don't last, God invites us into this one story. It's not just one to read in the Bible, although it's certainly there. But it's one to experience and live within today. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, this morning, uh, again, we're grateful for one another. Worship of you that includes songs, your word, fellowship, Father, and certainly your presence among us. God, we're thankful. Lord, I pray for all here who are struggling Father, who may have something in their life or their own kingdom that they are building and can't seem to get it out of the way, Father. Help all of us to know what that is, Father. It's you who will clear that out of the way, Father. It is you who will bring us not only as a church here in Tri-Village, but who is bringing your global church. So Lord, for those who are hurting, who are persecuted, who are scattered around the world, We pray, Lord, that your gospel, your love, your truth would be known in their lives, Father. And that the new unity would be found. For those who are transient, for those who are struggling, may they come across you through one of your people. If that's in our neighborhoods here in Streamwood or a surrounding community, Father. Or if that's wherever we go, to our workplaces. If that's in our families, Send us all out, Father, not as kings of our own kingdom, but as agents of your grace. Amen.